0: What is up everyone? This is Janelle and this is another edition of Step Back Sisterhood. I am joined with Tara, Amber and Britt and we are here at the dawn of another NBA season and it's going to be another unprecedented season with the COVID and all of that. But there's 72 games that need to be played and it's just exciting and we're going to start with the Western Conference and of course, the Lakers have retooled and reloaded, and it's, there's the news. What do you think about the Lakers' chances, Britt?
1: To be honest, I think it's pretty good. I I mean, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of giving compliments to the Lakers, but I feel like, especially during this offseason, they have retooled quite a bit. They were able to get um, Harold from the— clippers um that was a surprising move i i guess unless we talk about you know um lebron's friends um you know very large of uh, agency that somehow was able to obtain him but let's not go further than that um and they were able to you know really be able to I guess with any sort of team that has just won the championship, they were able to get new players and new personnel that would allow for them to cover for some of the losses. Uh, I am, I think that they're definitely the front runner, runner when it comes to whether or not, you know, the team that may be able to win a championship. But of course, a lot of things can happen in You know, this year, 72 games instead of 82 games.
0: What really surprised me about the Lakers, but it shouldn't be surprising because anyone who uh, is coming off of a title want to keep that going and as much as they can. But I just was impressed on how aggressive they were. They got Dennis Schroeder and, of course, Montrez. And what's really going to be interesting to me is how they implement both of them. I think Schroeder is trying to become the starting point. And I'm just interested to see how he would acclimate. And also with Montrez, I'm not really interested in his development offensively, but defensively is where I'm looking to see if he can develop, especially with a defensive-minded coach like Vogel. And, you know, with AD behind him, maybe he could work on his deficiencies and really don't have a lot of
2: pressure on him to um produce. Yeah, I see, uh, an extremely comfortable Anthony Davis this year. And, uh, I just think that it, I, I agree that the, it's, it's the Lakers to lose right now. I, I just think that after, Having the year that Anthony Davis had, uh, getting comfortable. I don't think we've ever seen him this comfortable. I think he's always been a little bit off balance. He's always been a little bit unsure of, uh, the direction of his team. Like I'm sure he always, of course, you know, wasn't, you know, wanted the Pelicans to succeed, but I don't know if he's ever seen them. I don't think he's ever been around. So, well, he's definitely never been around so much talent. I don't think he's ever been as comfortable. And I think we're really going to see that pay off.
0: Isn't, doesn't that have a lot to do with some of the injuries that he had in New Orleans? I mean, he, he has often been injured, but now yeah. with a different training staff and plus the culture with the Lakers, I think he is really becoming comfortable and com- more confident in his abilities. I mean, the abilities have always been there with AD, but not the fortune and not really the health.
2: I think the way that he fits in with the team and what he's supposed to be doing, not just like, oh, okay, you're supposed to put the team on your back and go. It's like, no, here's the rule that we need you to do. You're going to be alongside LeBron and all these other capable players. I'm glad that you brought up the injury thing because I do feel like I don't know that – Uh, somebody like him who's been through so much is ever going to like not have that look on his face every time he falls down. Like I don't think the arena is ever going to not hold their breath whenever Anthony Davis goes down. But I'm thinking just like in the terms of like he has a specific role and he doesn't have to do everything. And that's what I mean by comfortable right now. Amber, what do you think?
3: I don't like saying it, but the Lakers are bound to win – Let's see, this year, unless something crazy happens, maybe next year. So that's a three peak for LeBron, well, right?
2: Slow down. <laughs> oh, I'm, also- <laughs> I'm with you. I- though. <laughs> yeah,
3: I just, you just, I just don't see it happening unless something crazy happens. Where's COVID? It's 2020. So, you know, crazier things have happened. I just don't see the Lakers losing this year unless the Clippers get it together. And even then, I, uh, I'm not too sold on the Clippers. Do I trust Denver? Eh, I don't know. Let's go go out to the East. I know we're not supposed to talk about the East yet, but the the Nets. Do I trust the Nets? I'm not sure yet. So, and then if go if Clay had go if Clay had Golden State, Golden State had Clay, then I'd be like, okay, you know, I would really be like, all right, Golden State and Lakers, you know, that would be great to watch. Uh, Draymond has this foot thing going on. I don't know what's going on with that, but I'm pretty sure we'll talk about Golden State. I The way the Lakers are currently constructed, their bench is very, very smart. They know their roles. That's important. I've, I've talked about that before. That was the problem with the Clippers. They didn't know their roles. And everybody on the Lakers know what their role is. I don't know if that's LeBron's leadership or what it is, but everybody knows what they're supposed to do. And when you know that the game is a lot easier, it's a lot smoother. They got rid of Danny Green. Uh, Dwight went to Philly along with Danny Green. Um, you bring in six man of the year, in my opinion, and then Schroeder. Maybe that's an OKC bias, but who cares? Then you get the current six man of the year in Montrez Um Alex Caruso has the experience, he's another year wiser. You lose Rondo, which, you know, it's big, but you just kind of replace. Shooter with Rondo. You know what I mean? so And then you lose Avery Bradley as well. I don't know what the starting five is going to look like because I know LeBron likes playing that point forward. But when you bring a guy, guy in from OKC and Shooter that averaged almost 20 points a game last year, he can kind of take their load off of LeBron offensively and defensively. So it's interesting to see what lineups that Frank Vogel will throw out there in the starting five do you who would they start instead of Schroeder you got KCP you would have KCP, AD LeBron, am I missing who would they start, who is their five now, it's not
1: AD who's their five now I wonder if Kuzma since he just got his extension will be who's got extended yeah Yeah. he just got extended uh, that's the entire recording let me pull up those numbers but yeah he just got $40 I think yeah. Oh, um,
0: wow. Wow, Coos. Hey, it's their money; they can waste it as much.
1: A- <laughs> yeah, three years, forty million dollar contract extension, including a player option on the twenty twenty three twenty twenty four season, which is the first of his of in the league for a rookie extension.
3: So he wanted to get paid. All right. So do they start Kuz? Is he consistent enough to start? What What did they do there? Um, defensively, he's a liability. I'll just say that. And Dennis Schroeder is not on the defensive end; he's not a liability. So, what does Frank Vogel do? What, did, what does he do with that lineup? I think they oh, roll
0: out has- a. Oops. I think they roll out a, a lineup with LeBron. Maybe maybe they don't have a choice but to start Schroeder. And what about Wesley Matthews? They acquired Wesley Matthews as well.
3: Okay, so yeah, would you go, KCP?
0: So I, I think it's yeah. Schroeder. Is either Schroeder or KCP? Wesley Matthews, LeBron, A.D. in their center, would they start Gasol?
3: You probably would. I forgot Gasol. They got Mark Gasol, too. I, I forgot about that. You probably, Gasol and A.D. at the 4-5, that's, that that's, that's going to be deadly because Gasol knows how to pass out of that, that five spot. He's one of the best uh, passing big men in the league. You got A.D. who can create his own shot and also create for others. And then you have LeBron point forward, maybe. On the defensive end, that would be very nice to see. Uh, Do you do the two-guard lineup like you did last year with Car- Caruso and Shooter? when you had Rondo and Caruso last year off the bench? Do you do that with Wesley Matthews? Uh Kuz would probably be – would you start Kuzma at the three? I don't know. I'm thinking about defense here. Would you rather start Wes Matthews or Kuzma?
0: I would rather start Wes Matthews, honestly. Because to me, it seems like Matthews is more consistent on both ends. And Kuzma could be very hot and cold, especially on offense. And like I said, defense, he's he's a bit of a liability. So I think Hmm. conservatively, I think they may be better off starting Matthews.
3: Okay. So that bench still, you rock with that two-guard lineup like you did last year off the bench. Schroeder and Caruso... You got Morris come in and then, um, Coos come in. So they're just going to plug and go. I mean, they can go 10 deep. I mean, the Lakers don't have a problem with that. Uh, THT, he, sh- he showed out in the preseason. Let's see if he gets some minutes. I really would like to see him get some minutes. Um, did they sign we'll find- him? I don't Is know it- if they did or not. They better, they better have. If they don't, another team will. <laughs> exactly. he really showed up yeah he really played well in a preseason uh, I want to see his growth and development as well as a young player he's he's a big 12 guy so i I root for him I really think the only thing that can stop the Lakers is COVID and the Lakers at this point I just that's just how I feel about
0: it well moving on I mean we still have you know, farm out from COVID and the situation where there's no fans and there's still a bit of a bubble environment. And with that said, the Nuggets and the Suns really thrived in Orlando. Are they for real?
2: Well, I think the Nuggets – are going to uh, have a really great year. I think the Nuggets are more likely to be contenders than the Suns. I think the Suns are getting there, but I don't think – I think after um – um the Nuggets have basically had three years of sustained success with this core. The first year, uh, things didn't go well, but the last two playoff runs, things have gone uh, pretty well for them, and they've bonded a lot. They've really gotten to know each other. Jamal Murray has just gotten amazing. And the Blazers just played the Nuggets twice in the preseason, and they have the most disheartening arena I have ever seen (laughs) I think it's gonna be not just because of elevation but I think other teams if the nuggets don't do anything to try to like improve the atmosphere of the arena it's like dead like you could hear a pin drop in there I mean they had like the canned audience but it was so uninspiring and I just like I just thought The Nuggets are are going to just rule their home court, both because of elevation and because it also looks like they haven't done much to, like, try to, like, make it a festive atmosphere. And I think they're just all business, and they are expecting to go all the way.
0: Well, I kind of disagree on that. I mean, they've been consistent throughout past seasons, but, you know, the bubble effect has really, I guess, made... Made some illusions here. I mean, I, Jamal Murray was really red hot offensively, but I don't really see him duplicating that, not to the extent. And, you know, coming back from three, uh, three one leads is a, is a lot to, you know, overcome. And, you know, they lost some pieces too. They lost Jeremy Grant to Detroit, if I'm not mistaken. And, and he was really a key in, in their run. And they haven't really done much to improve their roster. I think they might have plateaued.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's possible. But I just think with the amount of, A, the amount of continuity. I mean, they have lost some important pieces. But their core, I mean, when you look at Murray and Jokic and what they've done together for so long. And I think Jokic has more that, um, that he can do, but he's one of those players that needs to be consistent every night. And plus they have Will Barton back. So, and it's totally could be like because Portland has played Denver so many times that I feel like I know them pretty well and that they have, um, every time the Blazers play them, it seems like Denver has gotten better. But I don't know what did, what about like Brit or Amber. Like, what are you? What's your experience and thoughts about where Denver is uh, headed?
1: Yeah, I think when it comes to Denver, the one thing that we can definitely say is that they're still young. They're extremely young, and they've had relatively good success. They sort of have that same sort of, um, you know, uh, die or you know, dejected or like just path that the Golden State Warriors had early in their careers or, you know, before they won the championships, they were, you know, able to have these really good series and then, the, you know, after the, you know, third or fourth season with you know, with Draymond and Clay And with Curry together, they were able to win a championship and then there was no stopping them, you know, until injury, of course. So I think when it comes to the Nuggets, if especially if Michael Porter Jr. sort of takes the next step, which it seems like he has had, you know, a lot of improvement the you know, last season. If he takes the next step and sort of could be the third man for the rotation of Murray and for the um rest of the team, I can't say that they can't do you know, be a hard hitting team that they have been. Um, you know, Jokic is, you know, a phenomenal phenomenal center and he, you know maybe he takes another step this season even though he has been tremendous during the playoffs he hasn't necessarily shown that during the regular season which has caused them to sort of you know drop slightly in the you know standings um i i think that overall the nuggets can be successful but A lot of it will depend on luck and the one thing that sort of stinks for them is that the Lakers are sort of rearing up again and they may have missed that opportunity to be successful. Um, And then real quickly about the Suns. Chris Paul, I have mixed feelings about for various reasons, but I think he's going to allow Booker to really step up this season. The question is, and I think a lot of folks don't talk about it so much, is... Is Chris Paul's injury history going to resurface again? What is, uh, was last season like the start of a new page of him not being injured at all for the, you know, foreseeable future? Or will he be going back to the last, you know, basically most of his career? He, you know, until last season, he never had a single season, uh, where he played every single game until This last season and I don't know if I can assume that he will be able to do that and I think without are, I don't think we can assume he's going to do that for a second year in a row. I think we have to assume that he may have some stumbles, especially with the season being relatively, you know, sh- the off season being relatively short. So that's my sort of thought process about the Suns. I, I think they're going to be, you know, sort of a dark ho- horse for a top four seed. Um, And I think Booker is going to, you know, literally kill, kill it when it comes to hit the competition, but he, I just want to I'm just hesitant about Chris Paul's sort of future and like assuming that he's going to be healthy for an entire season for a second time versus the other, you know, 10 plus years. That's something that I keep my, um, you know, keep I think folks have to keep their um hopes relatively minimal. But, um, you know, maybe that's just me. Amber, what do you think?
3: I want to trust the Nuggets. I really do, but I think losing Grant is going to be huge because he really improved his shooting and he was their defense. Like he was their defense on the perimeter. You get Will Barton. Will Barton missed the bubble. So uh, you get Will Barton back, but he, him and Grant are not the same. Um, in my opinion, I just think that Jay and Grant is better um, on both ends of the floor. And you lose that to Detroit. Um, he wanted a bigger role. I understand that because eventually he was going to be fourth fiddle because you have Michael Porter Jr., which he can't play a lick of defense, but he can score the ball. Jamal Murray and the Joker. You would eventually be the fourth, you know, the fourth man. So you go to Detroit, you get your money, and you're probably second or third option behind Blake. Um, Christian Wood left. He's now in Houston. So. He made a smart business decision and a smart basketball decision, in my opinion. They take a step back because what he showed in the bubble was him elevating his game and becoming a better player. Can you get that kind of production out of your other wings? Can you make up for that? Can Gary Harris stay healthy? Um, Jamal Murray's not going to stay that hot, but he will take a step forward and offensively. The Joker looks like he's in shape. The Joker's running up, the Joker is running up and down the floor. He's the Joker. Um, and then Michael Porter Jr. You have Michael Porter Jr. Now, he's the wild card, in my opinion, because of his defensive liability. And some nights he looks like he's into it, and then some nights he doesn't look like he's into it. I don't know because he thinks the game comes easy to him on the offensive end, but he's going to have to plug in defensively in order for the Nuggets to be relevant in the West. You know what Jamal Murray's going to give you. You know what the jerk is going to give you. You know what those other guys are going to give you, too. I like Monte Morris, too. Monte Morris, another Big 12 guy. I love Monte Morris. And what he did in the bubble as well. He got paid. He got paid. Second-round pick at Iowa State. He got paid. Uh, He really played well in the bubble as well. So, does Michael Porter Jr. take that next step on defense? Just show a little effort on defense. You know, just that. And I don't really like players that don't play defense. It kind of irks my nerves, even though the era of basketball is now tailored to offensive players. I understand that. I get that. But show me a little defense. If you want to take 15, 20 shots a game, you've got to play some type of defense. So the Nuggets, I do trust them to finish in the top three in the West this year. But in the playoffs, it's just kind of like if they get a matchup that doesn't favor them in the first round, because the West is going to be so deep this year, if they might get bounced, and you can say that about every team in the two through we say eight because they have that play in game. Um, two through I say four, you can say that about every team two through four, um, if they get a matchup that's not favorable, they might get bounced in the first round. Well, a four or five matchup is pretty usually pretty even, but that two or three, if you get that. Their playing game, which means if you win the playing game, you get the eighth seed. How, how is the playoff being played this year? We have to talk about that. Yeah, we got to figure that out one
2: of these days. <laughs> <laughs> I got to figure
3: that out. <laughs> but my point is I want to trust them in the playoffs, but I feel like if they get a bad matchup in the first round, it could be an early exit. But on the other side of that, if they play the way they play in the bubble, I think they could probably go to the Western Conference Finals again. It's, it's kind of, I'm kind of heads, and tell, heads or tails about that. I don't know. It's kind of confusing. The Phoenix Suns. I have a soft spot in my heart for Chris Paul. I know, Britt. I know. I know. I have a soft spot for Chris Paul in my heart. Uh, watched him in college. One of my favorite players growing up. And I love Monty Williams. He was a coach here at OKC. And OKC. Love Monty Williams. DeAndre Ayton's coming along. I watched those two preseason games they played against the Lakers. He's coming along. Mikael Bridges. Mikael Bridges is a guy that will take a step up. Cam Johnson, I like Cam Johnson a lot. So you lose bangs and free agency. But the Suns have done some things. They've done some things. I think the GMs voted the Suns getting the, the best player in the offseason with Chris Paul. That's the, I think the GMs voted for that. I think I heard somebody say that. So Phoenix will be a playoff team this year. Now, how far will they go? We'll, we'll see. Um, Devin Booker is going to love the leadership skills of Chris Paul. He's never had that in his career. You see what he did for Shea last year, for Schroeder, even Gallo. You really,
0: so? you, you really think that Booker would love CP3's style of leadership? I mean, Chris is a phenomenal player and a silent leader, but you know, you have to wonder is, you know, Booker or anybody else on that Suns team really prepared to receive his brand of leadership. And that same kind of dynamic you could really say for Trey and Ronda when we get to the East. But you you said yes?
3: I think so because if you want to get better, you want somebody to push you to get better. Devin Booker hasn't had anybody to push him to get better. Why wouldn't you want to be pushed to be all NBA? Why wouldn't you want to push? He said he was sick of losing. You sick of losing? You want to make the playoffs? I've been there, done that. He will be very receptive to Chris Paul. Very receptive.
2: I love the idea of Chris Paul's last few years in the league of him just basically being the fixer. And I think that uh, Devin Booker will respond to him because he's Chris Paul isn't there to take over the team forever. He's there to come in and get him in shape. And, um, you know, uh, help them function better as a team, and I just love the idea that he gets paid a lot of money for these last few years of his career to come in and um, help these teams just figure it out without like <laughs> taking over. Call
0: him the fixer. Um, I watch a lot of uh, Fix My Life, and now <laughs> Chris Paul is In Injana <laughs> <Inyana> Van Paul. <laughs>
2: I just see him as like in that role and I love it. I was somebody was talking about Chris Paul, uh you know, wanting Chris Paul to come to the team and I was coming to their team and I was like, I think if I think if Chris Paul comes to your team, you're kind of in trouble. Like he cuz he's been called in to fix things. Like I think the next place that he should go is like the Knicks. Like next year go fix the Knicks. <laughs> End of there. I
0: there was rumors about him in the Knicks during the off season.
2: Please don't go to the Knicks.
3: Please, no. <laughs> the Knicks, the Knicks problems are far too great.
2: Yeah, but he could come in and he it. could like be, but he could he could teach them better habits alongside them without threatening anybody, you know?
3: But the way the Knicks are ran, it wouldn't be a lot. Like <laughs> your organization is not ran properly. So until James Dolan goes, yes, you have Leon Rose, now you got Tibbs there. But until James Dolan goes. The Knicks will always be the Knicks. How do you miss out on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? You're the Knicks. You play at MSG. How do you do, how, like, how do you do that? No, Chris Paul, it, I would cry. I remember I said this on my, on the podcast. I would cry if Russell went to the Knicks. You're like, Russell to the Knicks. I was like, no, I would cry. I would literally cry because you have to, you know, the fish rots from the head. So it starts, it's starting at the top with the Knicks. I mean, it, oh, Goodness, we could do a whole show on the Knicks, but I just know, Tara, please don't wish that upon Chris Paul. No, no,
2: <laughs> okay. Some other well deserving uh, team that has been struggling, maybe you can end up with the Kings and help them figure it out.
0: Oh, goodness, for the Knicks.
1: yeah. <laughs> I think at least when it comes to the um, Kings, I feel like they're in a much better spot than they have been. I mean, I know that they lost um, Bodon, but or is it Bogan? Bodon. I always get the name wrong Bodonovich. Oh, yeah. yeah. But uh either way, I feel like that they are in a decent spot. I don't know if they'll ever make the playoffs because it's just the Kings. But at the same time, I, I don't think they made a ton of bad moves this off season. So we'll see how that goes. Although I don't know if we really want to go further <laughs> when it comes to the Kings and talking about them.
0: Okay, moving on to Utah. Rudy Gobert has signed his extension today during this time of recording, and Mitchell has signed his extension uh not too long ago. Do you see these two coexisting? And is this the proper move for Utah? I think it is at, for a business standpoint because Gobert is eligible for the map, you know, with his achievements, you know, and usually – you know, Salt Lake City isn't a free agent destination, and it, just to keep them from not losing somebody like Rudy, I mean, it, it was a proper move business wise. But as far as fit, you know, I I'm not really sold that much on Gobert. I mean, I know he's won Defensive Player of the Year, but when he's on the perimeter, it's he's food. To, to be honest. And you know he he can't handle the the Jokic's and ADs. So you know I don't know. I mean I understand the move as far as economically, but I don't know about on the court. And plus him coinciding with Mitchell, and knowing that they need more of a supporting cast to to be a surefire contender, I'm not so sure.
1: What do you yeah. think? But I, I think that's my thought process about it as well. I think from a, you know, culture standpoint as well as a small market standpoint, it made complete sense for them to sign, um, Gobert, who was on the last year, his contract. And, you know, you never know how things can sort of shake out if you, if a team sort of, acts stingy about a you know a player and waits to the very last minute to make a deal like they could have risked losing him for nothing just like hayward um a couple of years ago so uh, economically i think it makes complete sense they are able to you know keep him and i'm pretty sure especially that they also signed uh mitchell Earlier this year, with um with his rookie extension, that they got an okay from him. I, I don't think that they would necessarily sign, um Gobert without you know talking to Mitchell and having you know sort of a you know a understanding with him. Um, especially since they did have those issues going into the bubble. You know, um Rudy Gobert not necessarily the result of the you know the league shutting down, but definitely was like that um canary nicole mine situation when cbb um was positive with covid and then you know they had that beef um if you can call it that during you know the time because um because mitchell also got um you know covid as well so i'm pretty sure that they got that as for fit that's a real issue when it comes to the jazz. I think a lot of folks have said for a while that they're not necessarily the best fit and that they should, you know, trade Gobert or, you know, trade Gobert since, um, you know, he's a lot younger, but I mean, um, he's, you know, sort of getting to a point where he probably is, you know, about to hit his peak, but I think that, you don't necessarily, especially as a small market, give away a player that, um or I was not say give away, trade a player that has for the last several years been a perennial Defensive Player of the Year candidate and winner, um, which allowed him to be, get the super max. And you don't necessarily trade players who like the city that they're in. Like, it's hard for Utah to get, you know, good, you know, uh, free agents and if it looks as though they're trying to trade one of their better players for whatever reason that could even cause you know even less free agents to go over to there so I, I think they were in a rock and hard or they were between a hard, rock and a hard place when it came to Gobert's signing but I think it was definitely positive I mean whether or not they're going to actually you know be top four or even like top three uh, I, I think the Jazz have shown what they are to a certain extent, but I, I don't think that there are you know, signs that they won't do that if that makes sense. Amber, what do you think?
3: The Jazz are who they are, and you just signed a guy. I thought this was funny. I woke up this morning, I laughed.
1: I, I laughed.
3: <laughs> we put it in the sports chat in my sports network, and people were like, well, you got to think about it this way. So we had a whole conversation at 8 o'clock this morning about Rudy goes Bears signing. And I just don't I get it while the Jazz did it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But you realize that he's making more money than Anthony Davis. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, if he's not, I'm not on Rudy Gobert at all. I just think he's overrated in my opinion. That's just my opinion. Of course, everybody's going to have their own opinion. I've said it numerous times. When you put him on a perimeter on defense, it is, it's over. It's over. Um, You put AD on a perimeter on defense, it's good. So do you – is he athletic to you guys? Do you think Rudy Burgo Bear is athletic? No. That's the
1: question. No. I mean, he's probably more athletic than us, but when it comes to the I NBA, mean, yeah, not so much. <laughs>
3: okay. So you play an unathletic big man, $205 million, because you're a small market. Small markets make mistakes. Make mistakes. It happens. And you have a shooting guard that is disgruntled. I don't. I don't think Donald Mitchell is disgruntled at the organization. I think he was disgruntled at the situation that Rudy Gobert put him in, and then put essentially, I guess, the organization in. If you want to say that. Do they get along? We will never know. I don't. I don't think we'll ever know that. It seems as if they kind of do get along. What does Utah have? Uh, they signed Jordan Clarkson. You got Bogdanovich there. Um, you got Russell O'Neal there. So, and you got Mike Conley there still. Did, did they panic and sign him? Probably, because you don't want to lose him. You know, you're going to lose him, like you said, for nothing. Okay, C lost KD for nothing. But our front office and Utah's front office, two different front offices. So, I won't go there. Um, do they get better with signing Rudy Gobert? $205 million? No. Did the West get better? Yes. Did Utah get better this offseason? No. So <laughs> you're paying a guy $205 million to stay steady, pretty much. And and that's what I have to say about that. I know I got some Utah guys that do Utah podcasts in my group chat, and they're like, Man, we don't know how to feel about it. There's people in Utah that don't know how to feel about Rudy Gobert signing two hundred and five million. But he is eligible for that, that money. So Utah did what they had to do. If it was a big market team, I believe, oh, they wouldn't have signed him. And oh, they, because they could find somebody that does his job plus can provide something offensively for cheaper. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's just the way the NBA is. So it is what it is, in my opinion. Tar, what do you think?
2: I agree with what everyone says. Small market. I'm never going to count a man's money. I'm not going to ever count, like, how much money somebody pays that's not my money. I'm just really glad that the Blazers are no longer the highest uh, salaried um, team in the league and everybody can look away. <laughs> yeah, I
1: think it's just rough to figure out, especially for a small market. I mean, Giannis got paid, and I sort of have thoughts about that, and... You know, um, Gobert, because of the supermax and how that works, he, you know, he was going to get paid. So, because he won two defensive player of the years. So it, we can't really say like, Hey, you know, the, um, Jazz got, you know, um, you know, got, it, you know, Rudy Gobert was able to get over the Jazz because that's just the rules of the Supermax. So, you know, we can't really say like, hey, you know, there was another way to do that per se.
3: Yeah, for me, I, the whole Giannis, I was surprised Giannis signed, but we probably could talk about that another day. I was shocked that he signed with Milwaukee. Um, what What is that front office willing to do to get, to help them get better? Same thing with Utah. What does your front office do to help them get better? Uh, Donovan Mitchell will be um, an all NBA player. Um mean, probably in a year or two because the West is loaded. So if you don't get better, then what's the point? Like somebody in the chat said, everybody's not aiming for a championship. You can't tell Donovan Mitchell that. You can't go Donovan Mitchell and say, oh, we're not aiming for a championship. We just want to make the playoffs. Okay, I've been making the playoffs. We take that next step. So the, the smart market teams are kind of in this conundrum. You know, San Antonio just got lucky through the draft. OKC okay, got lucky through the draft. Um, but those are two organizations that are ran beautifully. So when you're a small market team, the top has to be ran beautifully in order for you to, to, to succeed. So I, I don't know how I feel. It's, I'm just, it's such a head scratcher for me. And I, I'm happy for them. I'm, I'm happy for them, but will Utah eat this in three or four years when they're getting bounced in the first round probably every year? <laughs> will they? I mean, what do you,
2: I mean, I Portland's know. been in the position where they've had the highest payroll for the past few years, and everybody's just been, you know, slamming on them for it. And it's, like, it's real awkward to be part of that fan base that has the highest payroll, and they're not, you know... I They did make the Western Conference Finals, which everybody will say was, you know, um, they were overreaching their actual talent. So it just, I, I think it's just it's so complicated. And I think it's also possible that sometimes players are, like, happy where they are, and they look around and go, well, like, Lakers don't have room for me, Um, I don't want to go to, you know, these other places, so I've got a good thing where I am, and they can pay me a lot of money, and, you know, it's not like we're going to be terrible, like, I could go to another team that's going to be bottoming out. Um, but I'm going to stay here where I can make a lot of money and I'm basically happy with the organization. And yeah, maybe we, you know, don't have that ultimate superstar, but that maybe one year everything will hit just right and we'll be the Dallas Mavericks or, you know, we'll be the team for whom everything worked out just perfectly one year.
1: Um, I guess, Janelle, would it make sense before Amber goes to get her thoughts about the Easter with us?
0: Yes, I, I believe so.
1: Sounds okay, good.
3: I'll give you. Okay, I'll give you a quick rundown of the East. How about that? And <laughs> you guys can dive into it. Of course, and I'll be listening when you put the pod out on Thursday. Is this pod going out on Thursday?
1: No, it's coming out tomorrow. Yeah, or should be.
3: Oh, that's right, because the NBA season starts Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. All right. My thoughts on the East. Ah, ooh. Let me dive into it. Okay, I'll I'll start off big. And I, I think the Nets are going to win the East. I do. I just Kevin Durant doesn't look like he missed a step, which I told people he wasn't, wouldn't, because he doesn't require a lot of shots to get a lot of points. You saw that in the preseason. I think he and Kyrie will work well together. I think the Nets have put a team around them. Steve Nash looks like he's—I mean, I know Steve Nash knows basketball. We all know that, but coaching is a different animal. It's a different animal from what ex-NBA players have said. I like the Nets out of the East. Um, I want to see what Boston does. Not having Kimball Walker until January would be huge. You got Teague. Um, Brad Wanamaker is now a warrior. Um, you lost Ennis Cantor to Portland. So, Boston not having a big man, will that, will that, will that hurt them? Um, they don't have any size inside. So, it takes Jason Tatum forever to get going, man. It takes him mm-hmm. a while to get going. And you saw that in the preseason. It, it was just taking him a while to get going. Uh, Jalen Brown, I expected him to step up on the defensive end this year. He plays he plays pretty well on the defensive end. Uh Marcus Smart does his thing. They lost Gordon Hayward to the Hornets. So Boston, you know, question mark, trust their coaching though. <sighs> Miami. Miami is a team that I'm very intrigued by because Eric Sposter has a lot of talent on their roster. How does he maximize that talent? How does he take that momentum from the bubble into this regular season? Right? So I want to see how much Eric Sposter can maximize the talent he has. I wanna see if Miami can go on another run. The Bucks. Oh boy. Um, the Bucks. The Bucks are a team that people think that Drew Holiday is going to elevate them. To be better, I don't see that. I love Drew Holiday. I love especially what he, he he and his wife do off the court. I love Drew Holiday, but are the Bucks better? Eh, no, um, they lost George Hill. They lost Wes Matthews. So, what did the Bucks do to be better? What did the Bucks do to not get bounced in the second round again and not get upset again? Which Matchup wise, it wasn't an upset, but record wise, it was. Because matchup wise, I just thought Miami was better. They have a better coach. If Bud doesn't get to the finals this year, they should let him go. Um, let's look at Philly. Philly is a team that I think can go to the finals. I think they could come out the East. If, if, if Joel Embiid can stay healthy, Ben Simmons can stay healthy, Danny Den- Green can somehow find a shot. Just just come back, Danny Green. Can we get 2014 Spurs Danny Green back? If that happens, and, you know, Seth Curry is going to do his thing. They have the space, and now they got Doc Rivers. Can Doc Rivers make Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons work? Um, I think he can. So Philly might be one of those teams you look at when we're about 50 games in, you're saying, okay, Philly, you're you're taking strides. Can they play better on the road with no fans? We'll see. Their home record was great. Their road record was trash last year. They have more spacing on the floor. Corkmos can still shoot it. 5 can play defense. So, Shake Milton's there, back a point guard role. You know, Philly has a lot of potential to come out of the East, even though I picked the Nets, but Philly has a lot of potential to come out of the East. Toronto lost Gasol, lost Abaka, and I think that's going to hurt Toronto. I think Toronto takes a step back. He re-signed Fred Van Fleet. You still got Kyle Lowry there. Boucher is going to take a step up. They just he just signed a contract. I think he did. Yes, if I'm thinking correctly, he did. So Toronto, I trust Nick Nurse. I trust Kyle Lowry. Um, you still got Ananobi there, you still got Norman uh, Norman Powell there. Um so what will Toronto do? How do you replace Gasol and Ibaka? Because they were key pieces in your championship run. They were also key pieces to you last year. The Atlanta Hawks are are a team that I'm very, very intrigued by, very intrigued by Atlanta, because I think their roster is very deep. Can they get a top six seed in the East? We'll see. I think the East is going to be more competitive than people think. What can Lloyd Pierce do? The cultures in Atlanta, Trey Young's brought the culture culture to Atlanta, in my opinion, because Atlanta Hawks were kind of like, you know, like the Hawks. Um, after you know, Teague left and Horford left, and they had that little run and they had that little draft spell. And then you draft Trey Young. He brings some culture, some hype into the organization. And then you draft, you draft pretty well. And you get Clint Capella, and then you bring in these key offseason pieces. The Rondo, Trey Young, um dynamic will be very, very interesting to see in Atlanta. And will he, Trey Young, will take accept that mentorship for Rondo? He will. He will, just like Devin Booker, will accept the mentorship from Chris Paul. If Trey Young wants to win, you have to listen to a champion, two-time champion with Boston and L.A. So Atlanta takes a step forward this year. Indiana. Oladipo, do you want to be there? Do you not want to be there? I'm confused with you at this point. Um, Indiana. Sabonis took a step up last year. He became an all-star. Miles Turner just gave me – he was just too inconsistent last year. The Holiday brothers, they play well. What does Indiana do? What does Indiana look like? Do they get a top eight seed? I'm eager to see how Indiana plays. They've always hovered around that four or five seed. I don't think they'll be that high this year. I just think the East is a little bit too, I don't want to say deep because people would have my head, but I could name probably six teams better than Indiana this year. But if Mr. Depot is healthy, him and a bonus, Holiday Brothers and Mouse Turner can stay consistent. And also T.J. Warren, if we get Bubba Warren, which T.J. Warren could score in college. In Phoenix, it just didn't work out. He gets traded to Indiana, and he balls out. So if those guys can stay consistent and stay healthy, Indiana will probably be – I would probably give them a top-seven seed, Um, but I think teams are better than Indiana. But we'll see with Indiana. We'll see how that goes. I know Victor is, is healthy now, but we'll just see how that goes with the new coach they have there. The Magic. Will the Magic make the playoffs this year? Is the East too deep? I'm using quotes for the Magic to make the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. They drafted Cole Anthony. He played, he's been playing very, very well off the bench in the preseason. You got Fournier there. You got Aaron Gordon there. But you're missing a guy that I really like. I was hiring him in college in Jonathan Isaac. Uh, um, Mobamba, we don't know what's going on with him. His COVID, he's been sick. He hasn't felt the same since he had COVID. He had COVID this summer and he still doesn't feel like himself. So with Orlando Magic, make the, even make the play in this year. We'll see about Orlando, but I'm eager to see how, uh, Markel Fultz, how many minutes he will get with him and Cole Anthony being in the backcourt together, um, on the second unit. Uh, Fournier, let's see, you know, his growth and development. Aaron Gordon, I'm looking forward to seeing his growth and development. Gavruchic, you know what Vujic is going to give you. I really like him. He's really pretty much the stable piece there in Orlando, but let's see what the rest of those guys can give you. Let's see, the Hornets. People are excited about the Hornets. Now, I thought that when you drafted LaMelo Ball, you would probably have to trade away, trade away Terry Rozier. I don't know if you will have to do that now because of the way that they're playing, it looks very, it's a very interesting dynamic because Devontae Graham took that step up last year. I thought he should have been in the top three for most improved. Um, Terry Rogier showed he could give you in Boston. Him and Graham together, were, they work pretty well together. They're in Charlotte. Then you add LaMelo Ball, who's more of a passing point guard, a playmaking point guard than a scorer. He's not very aggressive on the offensive end. Uh, Although the night before last, he did have like 18, I think. Um, He got a little aggressive on the offensive end. But he's more of a get-my-teammates-involved type of point guard. So I think that dynamic will work with him and Terry Rozier. Does Terry Rozier need the ball in his hands to score? We'll see this year. Devontae Graham can play that shooting guard role off the bench if that's what they want to do. Or they can go three-guard lineup to close the game. Who knows? They're in in Charlotte. But P.J., not, yeah, Charlotte. P.J. Washington is a very interesting player that I want to see his growth and development Um, as a player. I think he takes a step up. Malik Monk, does he get lost in the shuffle with um, the drafting of LaMelo Ball? You never know. I think Malik Monk will probably end up getting traded. I'm trying to see how he fits in with the rest of those players um, that they have there in Charlotte. The Knicks, who else am I missing? I said the Nets. I said what I said about the Nets. I think they're going to win the East. The uh, Knicks, the Cavs, the Bulls. Am I missing somebody? Knicks, Cavs, Bulls. The right?
0: Wizards. The
3: Wait, Wizards. Oh, how do I forget the Wizards? Yeah, okay. Let's
2: hear about the Wizards. Here's my hot take on the Wizards.
3: The Knicks, Cavs, and Bulls, they're, they're working on it. Okay? They're working on it. I'm just going to say that about them. They're working on it. I I do like Cody White a lot. Cody White a lot. The Wizards. Okay, I'll talk about the Wizards last, guys. I'm sorry. The Wizards, I think they're going to be sneaky good. I really do. I love Russell and Bill together. They're going to be a playoff team. How did I forget the Wizards? They're going to be a playoff team. I don't have these teams in front of me, guys. I'm just going off the top of my head. They're going to be a playoff team. They're going to be a playoff team, and they're going to be – I think they could possibly win about 40 games. I, I really, really do. I like Russ and Bill together. You sign Berton, Thomas Bryant's going to take a step up. Rui's going to take a step up. Their bench concerns me, but Scott Brooks and Russell together has some success in OKC. Um, Bradley, Bill, and Russ can play together. They they can play together. And usually when you put Russ alongside um, a guard that can score, they do very well, i.e. Paul George. Uh, <laughs> he played very well, OKC, with Russ. So they're going to be good. They're going to be good. Um, I have them in the playoffs, actually. In Detroit, I forgot about Detroit. I'm not sure how I feel about Detroit. They got Troy Weaver there from OKC. He's in a front office in OKC. They got Troy Weaver. Do you keep Blake Griffin and and Derrick Rose and just kind of see where you go? You got Grant. Um, You drafted Killian Hayes, which I like a lot. What is, you lost Luke Kennard, one of your shooters. Where, where are the Pistons going? Where, where are they going? What's their direction? I'm really confused about the Pistons because I don't know the direction of the team per se. Um And it's really confusing because can Blake Griffin stay healthy? Does Derrick Rose play all 72? I love Derrick Rose. Um, he's kind of resurrected his career quietly in Detroit. He's played very well for them. Um, But can he play all 72? Can Blake even play 60 games this year? That is the question mark I have. I thought they were going to go younger when they drafted Killian Hayes. I'm like, okay, they're going young. But they got rid of Christian Wood, right? And then they get Plumley. Didn't they get Mason Plumley as well from uh, Denver? Yes. I'm thinking yes. if I'm thinking correctly. Yes. Yeah. They got Plumley. So I'm like, okay, are you going young? Are you not going young? And you kept Derek Rose and Blake Griffin there? What kind of trade value do those two players have? I don't know. I don't know what the Pistons are doing and it heart strikes the heck out of me. Because um, I cheer for Derrick Rose. And of course, Blake Griffin is Oklahoma native, so I, I cheer for him as well. But with New York, Cleveland, and Chicago, we just want them to show up and be competitive every night. I, that's all I can say about those teams. I didn't miss anybody, did I? Did I run down the East pretty well?
2: That was amazing. No, that was good. <laughs>
3: okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. That's my feelings about the East. We could, I probably could go into detail, but you know, I don't have the time, but those are my thoughts.
0: We have all season to go in depth. All right,
1: talk to you later, Amber.
0: All righty, guys. You guys have a great
3: show and I'll be listening to it tomorrow, of course.
2: Bye, Amber. Bye.
3: Bye.
2: Bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. This concludes part one of the Step Back Sisterhood NBA 2020-2021 preview podcast. Amber had to take off, so we are going to reconvene for part two. This time, it's going to be Janelle, Tara... And Brit, and we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference mostly, picking up on Amber's excellent review of what she thinks is going to happen in the East this season. So thanks for sticking with us, and if you want to hear more, please listen to part two.